real uh, joy uh, to, uh, to be able to share with you guys today. Um, is that on, on my own? One, two. Awesome. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Sorry, just, I like to move, so just putting this to the side. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Tano, uh, and uh, it's my wife, Angela. Uh, amen. amen. <laughs> um, and our kids, Gloria, uh, Sophia, and Matteo, who you might have seen walking like he owns the place around uh, the building. Uh, so we've uh, just joined River Church about six months ago now, I think. Around the summertime, um, yeah. So when Tim asked me to uh, to to be part of the speaking uh, road, I was like, "Yes, fantastic!" Because it is. It's a real privilege uh, to be able to to, to stand uh, up front uh, and share the word of God. And I was uh, so like, "Yeah, absolutely, I'm up for it." Uh, and then he sent out the, the spreadsheet with the rota and the topics, uh, and I'm looking at the names and, uh, you know, what uh, my heart is filled with anticipation. You know, out of all the 60 books in the Bible and all the 40 uh, different writers that we have in the Bible, I wonder what topic Tim has given me. And then I see my name and I see Zacchaeus, and I'm like, hold on a second, should I take this personally? But it wasn't intentional, was it? Um, but yes, uh, if you don't know, um, sorry, I took my, um, I can't, I took this off to play, yes, just to uh, clarify, uh, but I can't be without it. Um, <laughs> uh, if you don't know, Zacchaeus was a short man, uh, and uh, I am kind of a short guy, so yes, I can definitely relate uh, to Zacchaeus on that level. Uh, but looking at this story today, there's just so much uh, that uh, I can see myself in Zacchaeus. Uh, and I really hope that uh, as we dive into the text uh, and, and really see uh, what God wants to speak to us, and I really believe that God has a word for us, and God has already been speaking in our time of worship. It's been really, really wonderful to see what God is already saying uh, to, to our hearts. Um, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and read the text. Uh, um, you can see that slides are not my forte, uh, so there's just one slide for the whole uh, sermon. That's it. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's the text uh, on one side, and as you can see, I've highlighted those words that really, those sentences, those words that really jumped out to me, and I, I hope uh, as we read it and as we reflect on this story, they really hit home uh, and really speak to our hearts. So we're in Luke uh, chapter 19, the Gospel of Luke, uh, if you want to look it up in your Bibles or on your phone, and we read that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw him and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, he's talking about himself, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So a few weeks ago, uh, I decided to go for a run. Now, I figured out about something about people that uh, run. If anybody tells you that they love running, they're lying, okay? <laughs> don't believe them. Don't trust them. Running is horrible. From the moment I put my shoes on, I'm already in pain, before I even step out of the door. The only reason I do it is because it looks good on Facebook, let's face it. <laughs> it's the only reason why any of us run, so we can take a selfie and put it on Strava. Yes, Strava. <laughs> Absolutely. So I decided to go for a run because I have to, it's good to exercise, uh, and I started running. I ran towards the Nugent uh, Park and all the way to where the little pond is, uh, and then I started making my way back. Uh, and this is what I look like when I'm running. Because <laughs> I'm running before work and I've got my backpack and it's heavy. So I'm really struggling and it is and I hate it. Uh, and I'm thinking, why did I do this? I could be sitting in Costa having a croissant. Um, and, and I'm coming up to where, um, is it the Cray? Uh, the, the little stream. So I'm coming up where I'm turning back into uh, the Nugent Park. And I see a little kid on his way to school. Uh, and I'm just running up uh, next to him, and we clock eyes. And as, as soon as we see each other, I know that he wants to race me. I'm like, I know it. So I'm like, come on, bring it. So I'm like, come on, what you got, what you got? And I'm starting, and I've got my headphones on, so I can't hear, so I'm probably really loud. And then I get really pumped, because he's just really getting into it, and he's like trying to get to go faster than me, and I'm like, come on, and then I start punching the air, I'm like, come on, getting stronger, and I'm actually singing the Rocky tune, because I feel that I'm in a Rocky film, and then we start pulling, uh, you know, getting inside the Nugent, and I, and I think, oh, this is really cool, he's really uh, uh, into it, I'm into it, so I turn around, and I'm like, punching the air, and as I turn around, there's three of them, there's three of them chasing me, and I'm like, yes, and I turn around, I'm like, I'm a champion, I'm winning, but on one side, of, I'm thinking, I really hope that no one's calling the police because it kind of looks weird, you know, a bearded man being chased by three little kids. Uh, but I'm really into it. And these kids, with their, uh, you know, simple joy and their, their smiles, it just really gave me a boost. And I really felt, I was already starting to think about this, uh, this uh, topic of Zacchaeus, this story. And I really felt God say, don't despise the little things. Don't look down on... You know, even Jesus says, don't look down on children. The Bible says, don't look down on your youth. And in Zechariah, this is very easy to remember. Zechariah, Zacchaeus, Zach and Zach. Zechariah says, do not despise the small beginnings. Don't look down on the small beginnings. God is in the small things. Maybe the smallest things that you could do today was to get yourself to church. Don't despise what God is doing in your life. He's at work in our lives. And sometimes it's the littlest things. It's just opening that Bible. It's just looking at that verse. It's just talking to a friend. Don't despise the little things. God has started something. And the Bible says that he's faithful and he brings it to completion. When he starts something, he completes it. 
And I just really want to start today's message with this. Don't despise what God is doing in your life. Maybe you think, I'm just a housewife. I'm just a retired uh, person or I'm just an employee. I'm just, a, you know, a church member. No, God is doing something. Don't despise the little thing that God has started in your life. And we learned this from Zacchaeus. And it's really interesting that Luke, the Apostle Luke, is the only guy that writes about Zacchaeus. As you might know, we have four accounts of Jesus' life, four biographies, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, now, John is quite unique in the way that he writes, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They tell very similar stories. In fact, they are called the synoptic gospels. What that means is that you can actually spread them out and look at them together in synopsis. You can, they have so many parallels and so many similarities. They, they, they tell very similar stories, yet they are unique in each on their own right. And Luke is the only writer that tells us about Zacchaeus. And I like to think, why? Why is that? How did that happen? Did Mark, did Matthew, Mark, and Luke get together and say, okay, guys, we need to write the story of Jesus. How are we going to do this? Let's, let's put it up on a flip chart. Let's do a storyboard. Let's do a timeline. Okay, so the feed, feeding of the 5,000, definitely. That's got to be in there. That's massive. Yeah, so we all take that. Okay, definitely the birth. Matthew, you're very good at listing people. You know everyone in, in the Jewish community. You go for it. You take that one. Crucifixion, absolutely, we've got to write that one. Zacchaeus, okay, who's going to take Zacchaeus? And Matthew is like, um, guys, I can't, I can't handle it, okay? You see, Zacchaeus is a tax collector, I'm a tax collector, he's Jewish, I'm Jewish, we're basically cousins, I just, you know, it's just a bit it's too emotional, this, this really hits home. I can't do it. Plus, I am writing to the Jews, and the Jews don't like Zacchaeus, because he's taking their money. So no, I'm just going to leave this one out. Mark... Mark is like, well, I can't write about Zacchaeus because he was working for the Romans and after he became a Christian, he gave all their money away. They're never going to read my gospel if I write about Zacchaeus. I'm just going to leave this one out. But Luke, Luke writes to the Gentiles. That means people that had no idea about God the Father, the God of Israel, one God, one Father, let alone a God that gave his only begotten Son for our sins. He writes to pagans, to people that had no religion, that had loads of different gods, had given themselves to life and pleasure. And he thinks, no, people need to know about this man. And Luke is a doctor by profession. So he's interested in not only in the human body, but the human mind, the psychology, you know, what makes people tick and the different characteristics. And he's probably met a lot of people with loads of different issues. And he thinks, Zacchaeus, I'm fascinated about from this man, Zacchaeus, because Jesus met so many people. But he thinks Zacchaeus needs to be remembered for eternity. His story is worthy to be told. And people need to know how... Zacchaeus' life was completely transformed and changed by, from meeting Jesus. So what does Luke tells us? So the first thing that he tells us is that Jesus entered Jericho as he was passing through. So Jesus is on a journey. In fact, Jesus' journey started way back in chapter 9 
in the, in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus told his disciples, guys, I need to go to Jerusalem because that is where I will die. He predicts his own death. He does it quite a few times in the Gospel of Luke. And he says, guys, this is what I'm here for. I'm heading to Jerusalem because that is where I will give myself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And the disciples are confused and say, no, no way. Jesus, you can't die. You came here for the, to, to announce the kingdom of God and, and to set us free from the Romans. No way. They're confused. And Jesus says, come on, come with me on a journey. Let's start walking together. And as they walk together, he tells them about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not about politics and it's not about power, but it's about the heart of man and what God has come to do in our hearts. And as they walk together, and if you Google Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, you find a map and you can see the, the journey that they took. And they traveled from Bethany and Galilee and Samaria. These are all areas of, uh, of that part of the world. And, and they're making their way to Jerusalem and they go through the city, the city of Jericho. And as they're walking, they encounter different people. People that are broken, people that are lost, people that are demon-possessed, physically sick, beggars, homeless. And Jesus is able to, to, uh, to heal, to touch, to, uh, to, uh, to relate to the homeless beggar, uh, just as, uh, to, as the chief uh, tax collector, the boss, the CEO. Or, or to relate to the woman that washes his feet like we heard a few Sundays uh, ago. And it's, that's the th amazing thing about Jesus. Fully God, fully man, he can interact with the homeless without being patronizing, making them feel worthless and give them dignity. Yet he's so attractive and captivating to a CEO of a bank. That is Jesus. It's just amazing. So he enters Jericho. And Jericho is a big deal. If you go back and read it in the Old Testament, Jericho is an important city, okay? Something big happened in Jericho. God gave this incredible victory to the people of Israel. Do you remember the story God told the people of Israel, here's Jericho, they're your enemies, I'm going to give you a victory, but what you have to do is you have to march around the city, you have to shout, you have to sing, you have to play your trumpets, and that's what the people did, and then the walls came down and they had this incredible victory. So Jericho is a big deal, okay? And I wonder if the people of Jericho kind of walked around like, sup, Jericho, where are you from? Nazareth? This is Jericho. This is Jericho. Surely you're going to stay here, Jesus. Welcome to Jericho. What shall we debate? We know a lot about religion and culture. And, and I wonder if this crowd of intellectual and priests and, and, uh, and uh, wealthy people, just like Zacchaeus, they all came out to see Jesus, to debate with him, to argue, to see what the big deal from Nazareth was. This is Jericho. And I wonder if there was part of the people in Jericho, they were like, oh, still remember, there was a horrible, horrible battle that happened in Jericho. There were strongholds, and the strongholds were so big, and we were scared, we didn't know what to do. They're stuck in Jericho, but Jesus is passing through. And I wonder if there's some of us that are stuck in our own Jericho. You know? where our life is still surrounded by the ruins of what we used to struggle with. Whether it's addiction or depression or family issues. And God did something 
Maybe God's moved and saved us, but we're stuck in the past. Oh, when God moved, when I first became a Christian, I read the Bible in like a month. Oh, when, when, when I was in the youth group, it was amazing. When I was part of this church, oh, God just moved, amazing things happened. It's not like in the old days. But God says, Jesus says, today, I'm just passing through. I'm not interested in the past. Today is the day of salvation. My mercies are new every morning. And maybe some of us in here are hang up on the past and what happened yesterday, last week, the other month, last year, and we can't, get, we can't shake it off. And God says, I'm not interested in your past. I've dealt with it. The past is gone. Behold, I make things new. I've got something better. I'm going to Jerusalem. Are you coming with me? So he's passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Like we've already mentioned, a chief, not just a tax collector, a chief, a CEO, a big guy. And he finds Jesus so interesting. And he was wealthy. That means that not only had the title of tax, tax collector, but he actually enforced his, his rule and his authority and his power. And he made money out of it. He wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Zacchaeus had this, this deep desire to see Jesus. And that's what led him up the tree. But what led him up the tree was also the fact that he was short. So he had this weakness, this thing that he lacked in height, this thing that really marked his life, since, possibly since he was a kid, being ridiculed, being made fun of. And, and I wonder if I, at some point he thought, you know what, people don't like me. I might as well just make money out of it. And he became bitter and angry and, and cold-hearted and decided, I'm, I'm leaving, because he was a Jew, I'm leaving my tradition, my culture, my religion, my faith, and I'm going to go with the Romans, with the enemy, with the oppressor. I'll show you. You make fun of me, I'll show you. And he gave himself to that life of wealth and material things and, and, and pleasures and, and seeking power, trying to make up for what he was lacking. And I wonder if that's the same for a lot of us. We're so often defined by the things that we are not and try to be. By those things that we feel that we are lacking in, so we try to make up for it in our own strengths. I'm not tall enough, I'm not good looking enough, I'm not cool enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not wealthy enough, people don't respect me enough, so we try and make up for it. And we end up like Zacchaeus, title, power, but still something missing. This deep desire, all this stuff that I have, all this position, all these titles, there's still something missing. I need to see Jesus. And maybe for the first time in his life, Zacchaeus allowed his weakness to lead him to a place where he could see Jesus. All of his life, he allowed this weakness, this thing that, that he lacked in, this thing that uh, he's short for, he allowed it to make him bitter and angry 
and, and hungry for success and power. But for the first time in his life, as Jesus is coming through, Jesus is, is coming close and he feels, I need to climb up a tree. We see that he, he, he runs ahead. He doesn't, he doesn't care about what people think. He just runs ahead and he climbs up a tree. I need to see Jesus. If only I can see him. I just want to get close to him. That's all I want to do. There's this deep hunger and desire to see Jesus. And I wonder if we feel that as well today. If only I can get to Jesus but I'm too short, but I've got this weakness, but I've got this addiction, but I've got this struggle, but my family's situation is this way. Oh, but I want to see Jesus. And the amazing thing is that that desperate desire in Zacchaeus' heart is what makes Jesus stop. It's just like when the woman was sick with the issue of blood and, she's, and she thought, if only I can touch Jesus. And that desperate act of faith, that desperate touch in the midst of the crowd is what stopped Jesus in his step and he turns. Oh, and what happens when Jesus stops and turns? What happens when Jesus stops and looks up and he sees you? Isn't that incredible that the only thing that stops the God of the universe is your desperate cry. It's our faith going, I just want to see you. Now, these are the most intense weeks of Jesus' life. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows that he's going towards the cross. That's his mission. That's his call on his life. But he doesn't necessarily... He's not necessarily looking forward to it. Remember when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood. Lord, if there's a way out of it. So this is what's in Jesus' heart and in his mind. He's preparing. He's going towards Jerusalem. He's going towards the cross. He doesn't have a lot of days left. All of his 33 years of his life and the last three years of ministry point into this direction. In fact, all of history points into this direction. History is marked by the death of Jesus on the cross. The most significant event in history, the most significant culturally, historically, spiritually, religiously, the most significant event of history, Jesus is walking towards that day, but he makes time to spend a day with Zacchaeus. Isn't that incredible? That cry in Zacchaeus' heart, I want to see you, Jesus, stops the God of the universe in his tracks. And he looks up, the same eyes that can see across the earth, they see Zacchaeus. And they see you today. The eyes of the Lord, the Bible says that the eye of the Lord is focused on you and he sees you and he sees me today and then he calls him he calls him by name that same voice that spoke the universe into being the same voice that said let there be light he calls Zacchaeus by name Zacchaeus come down and I think Jesus was in a hurry come down quickly I've got to go to Jerusalem you have no idea 
come down. I've got to spend a day at your house. I'm coming to your house for dinner. What an incredible moment in the history of the universe, of God's story, of God's love story for us as, as men. You see, Zacchaeus just wanted to get close enough. And maybe some of us here today just want to get close enough. I just want to be at church and sit. I just want to be part of this group because people are nice. I just want to, you know, belong to a community and a, and a church, and I, and I want to be seen as a Christian and as a good person, but that's, that's it, that's it. Because, you know, I'm not good enough. I fall short, and I have weakness, and I have struggles, and I'll be happy just looking from a bit of a distance, but I just want to see Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I'm coming to your house. We've got an appointment. I think there's a translation that says, I've got an appointment to be at your house today. Jesus has an appointment with you today. Jesus moves from proximity, from being close, to intimacy, to be in Zacchaeus' house, to have dinner with him, to eat with him. And Jesus wants to close, wants to move to intimacy with us, to be in our lives, to be in our hearts. So Zacchaeus climbed up a sycamore tree, and I was wondering if that's significant, a sycamore tree. The Bible specifically tells us it's a sycamore fig tree. So I did a little bit of research, and I started looking, and I know way too much about sycamore trees than I should, okay? It's not very exciting, but it is exciting. Uh, and I was looking at this, the, 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 the Greek word, the sycamore tree is from the maple family. That's what we need to know. Maples, there are loads of maples, maple syrup, maple, Scottish maple, American maple, English maple. The, the sycamore is part of that uh, family of trees. Uh, but the Greek word used in this text is pseudoplantanos, which means fake plane tree a false plane tree, because it looked like a plane tree, but it wasn't a plane tree, so they called it fake plane tree. And I thought, that's interesting. It's interesting because I feel like there's a pattern in this text of someone, a man that wants to be something that he's not. He's a Jew, but he wants to be a Roman. He's, he's, he's religious, but he's left the, the religion behind. He comes from a faith, but he's left it for a life of pleasure. He's short, but wants to be tall. He's, he's lacking in something, but wants to be known. He wants to be recognized. He feels weak, but wants to be powerful. And he's faking it. And I wonder if, if, uh, if, if that relationship to any of us, you know, if you've heard of the imposter syndrome, you know, you feel like you're a bit of a fraud, you feel uh, because of the shame that is in our lives, because of sin, we feel like, well, I'm kind of a fake parent, I could be a better parent, but I'm not really a parent, I'm not the parent that I want to be, or I'm not the spouse, the husband, or the wife that I want to be, or I'm not the Christian that I want to be, I'm not the leader that I'm supposed to be, and we kind of feel like a fake and I was wondering, but it's, is, is there a pattern? Is there, is there, am I reading too much into it? So I left it, and I left it outside of this message today. And then on Friday, I had the most boring day at work ever. Okay? Just part of my job is to invigilate exams. English, speaking, and listening exams. Uh, literacy. 
And uh, what we have to do is assess people's speaking and listening skills. Um, and we have to be trained. Uh, so I had to watch these videos with the English teacher who thought that was the most exciting thing ever. Um, and watching these videos, and the first video is like 15 minutes, and then 12 minutes, and 10 minutes, and we're doing the same thing for level one and level two. And after two hours, and you know, the teacher is pausing and making comments and writing in a notebook. And I'm like, please, you know, kill me now. This is incredibly boring. But we're watching this presentation of a guy um, that's talking about drums and the different uh, uh, a tonality and the different sounds and different drum components and different drumsticks make. So I'm literally just going to sleep, like, come on. And then he says, uh, because most musical instruments are made of maple. I'm awake. I'm like, maple? Did you say maple? Yes, yes, but it's not part of the exam. No, but you don't understand. This is so exciting. I know about maples. And yes, and then I went and I Googled it, and it's true. A lot of musical instruments are made of maple wood because of its uh, softness, and, and it's, it's soft and hard, and it has this, it's called tone wood. So violins, some parts of violins and guitars, the neck of the guitars would be made of, uh, of, of maples. And I thought, wow, isn't that incredible that this, this fake tree, this wannabe tree, uh, that looks like a, uh, this kind of tree, but it isn't really. It, when when it, the day comes that it's cut down and chopped and, and chiseled and sanded and, and, and torn into pieces, will be made into a musical instrument. And I felt God saying, you are the sycamore tree. I want you to be the sycamore tree so that someone can climb on you and get close to Jesus. So that someone can lean on you and see Jesus. And maybe you feel like you're a bit of a, like I said, a bit of an imposter, a bit of a fake. I'm not good enough. And maybe this maple tree was a bit leaning uh, and not that great. You know, a short man had to be able to climb on it. So let's uh, be honest. It probably wasn't like that majestic. It was probably very easy to climb. And Zacchaeus climbs up. But because, it's, it's the, because of the sycamore tree that he's able to get to Jesus... And years before Zacchaeus was even born, before the Son of God was begotten, before the Word became flesh, God had planted a sycamore tree in Jericho so that a broken man, a lost man, that had lost his identity, that felt weak, that felt fake, that felt like an imposter, could climb up on it and get close to Jesus. I want to be a sycamore tree for someone. And God has created you to be a sycamore tree. And maybe you feel like you're a bit of a wannabe, or a bit of an imposter, or not quite up to it. You don't live to that standard. But God says, at the end of the day, I'll make you into an instrument for my glory, just like the maple wood. You're an instrument to play music for my delight. I have created you for my delight. And I've given you a purpose. I've planted you for a purpose. And this is what Jesus does. You know, Zacchaeus comes down and the people are muttering and Zacchaeus just has to ignore them. And we have to learn to ignore the muttering of social media. We have to. We have to look to Jesus and not listen to what 
the world says around us, maybe our families, maybe the bad relationships or influences. And Zacchaeus, he's, he's a bit confused, like, Lord, I don't know. Like, you're in my house. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to give my money away. Something has happened in Zacchaeus. When Jesus comes into our living room, in our, ha- in our homes, in our lives, something happens. Just like what Hannah was singing earlier today, we are changed. We are changed. And Zacchaeus is a changed man. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this house. And he gives Zacchaeus back his identity because this man is a son of Abraham. He is part of that original promise. He was right there at the beginning when God promised to Abraham the blessing. Zacchaeus was right there. And I was right there in that promise. And you're right there in that promise. And God gives us back our identity and our dignity. Salvation has come into this house. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was 17, and uh, uh, I, I became a Christian. My parents became Christians. My brother, you know, God really came into our house. But we were a highly dysfunctional family, okay? And the fights were out of this world. They're seriously out of this world and on a regular basis. Um, and sometimes, you know, the, the venom that would come out of our mouths was horrible, and it would just end up uh, with someone running out the door, uh, you know, not coming back for days. Uh, sometimes they would get physical. They were horrible. And I remember, as, just as a new Christian, having a massive fire in my living room, I remember my mum crying at the dinner table, and I remember just crying like this on the table and sobbing. I was like, when God comes into our home, things should be different. And as I said it, I was like, that is the weirdest fight that we've ever had. That is a really strange thing to say in the midst of, but I was changing. We were still fighting. There was still a lot of, you know, stuff that we were dealing with. But I was changing. My parents were changing because I remember my dad just saying, you're right. And that was it. That was the end of the fight. I was like, what is going on? But God had come into our home. And we were changing. And I was, uh, Angela and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, that if you look at our family, and really the grace of God that has really when I look at my kids and I th- think, wow, you are blessed beyond. You don't even know that God has saved us from hell. If you look at our extended family, just going to cousins and uncles and grandparents, you find everything. There's divorce, there's cheating, there's infant deaths, there's abortion, there's murder, there's prison sentences, there's everything. And God has plucked us out and saved us. God has come into our home. And salvation has come into our house. That's incredible. What God wants to do in your household is incredible. And I think back to the fact that Jesus was really busy that day. He was on his way to Jericho, but made time. He had time to go to Zacchaeus' home so that salvation could enter his house. And I wonder today, I think, God, you're you're holding the universe in your hands. You've got world world hunger, 
poverty, injustice, human traffic, wars, climate crisis. You busy God. Jesus is coming back. You have a lot to deal with. But God says, I take time to come into your life. Because when I come into your life, just like Zacchaeus, something happens. That very day, Zacchaeus became an instrument in God's hand for the injustice that, were hap- that was happening to the people of Israel. In one instant, Zacchaeus becomes the solution to the injustice of the people of Israel and a testimony to the Romans. The solution to the people of Israel who were waiting for the Messiah, for the real Messiah that would set them free, and a testimony to the Romans that had no idea who God was. And I wonder what God wants to do through you, through me, through you. It might seem small, but we said don't despise the little things. Don't despise the beginning of what God is doing in in your life and how he wants to use you as an instrument for his glory. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I'm a testimony of that. Everyone here is a testimony of that, that Jesus came to seek, and he sought me out, and he seeks you out, and saved the lost. But there are others There are others that are wanting to see Jesus. And God wants to plant us as sycamore in someone's path so that they too can lean on us, perch on us, climb on us, just get to grips to get close to Jesus. Amen.